Greetings, and welcome to SLIS's Spring 2011 Colloquia, a program now in our 10th consecutive semester, brought to you by your School of Library and Information Science here at San Jose State University. I am Dr. Anthony Bernier, and along with Dale David, our technical producer, we are offering this series as part of our school's vision to be recognized as a leader in graduate education in library and information science. Before I introduce today's colloquium speaker, a few announcements. First, please look for new colloquia presentations on the SLIS website throughout the spring term, where you will also find an archive of our previous recorded presentations on the SLIS homepage at sliseweb.sjsu.edu. We also offer our colloquia as free podcasts. Details on how to access these presentations, either through RSS feeds or the iTunes store, can be found on the school's colloquia page. The SLIS colloquia can also be viewed via Blip TV, the popular video sharing website. The SLIS Blip TV channel can be accessed at sjsuslis.blip.tv. For our SLIS students, I would like to encourage you to visit a special website detailing the many social networking opportunities the school offers for you to connect virtually and otherwise with other SLIS students. It's our own SJSU SLIS social networking wiki where you'll find all your favorite networking resources, Ning, MySpace, LinkedIn, Google Groups, Flickr, Facebook, DGO, among others. The school also maintains another wiki called Cool Web 2.0 Tools, which offers a way for you to share and learn about the rapidly changing information resources you'll want to know about for classes, socializing, and a variety of other applications. While these previous announcements were intended primarily for our SLIS students, I also have a few items to share with everyone in the SLIS community. As you may know, the school maintains a robust profile at our professional association conferences and meetings. So I'd like to call your attention to the school's upcoming professional conference appearances at this spring's professional events. SLIS's reception at the Ontario Library Association, OLA, is scheduled for Thursday, February 3, 2011, from 6 to 8 o'clock p.m. at the Intercontinental Hotel in Toronto, Canada. SLIS's reception at the ACRL conference, the Association of College and Research Libraries, will be held on Thursday, March 31, 2011, from 4 o'clock to 6 p.m. at the Pyramid Club in Philadelphia. And SLIS will be back in Philadelphia hosting a luncheon reception at the SLA Conference Special Libraries Association on Monday, June 13, from 11.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., also at Philadelphia's Pyramid Club. SLIS's ALA reception will be hosted on Saturday, June 25, from 4 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. in New Orleans. SLIS will host a reception at SAA Conference, the Society of American Archivists, on Thursday, August 25, 2011, from 5 to 7 p.m. on the 80th floor 
of the Mid-America Club in Chicago. And in addition to our famous receptions and social events, SLIS will also host exhibits at the May 2011 Canadian Library Association in Halifax, Nova Scotia, the World Library uh, and Information Congress, and IFLA General in San Juan, Puerto Rico in August, the American Society for Information Science and Technology, ACIST, in New Orleans, Louisiana in October. Of course, you will find all the details on these and upcoming events and experiences on our school's webpage. The faculty hopes you see, uh, to see you at these professional conferences and encourages you to take the opportunity to become better acquainted with us as well as to meet up with classmates, friends, and colleagues. We hope you enjoy our spring colloquia, uh, all these presentations, and thank you for helping make the series such a success. Our speaker today, and we're excited about that, is going to be talking about what his, not my career, has taught him. And uh, I know you're all eager to hear that, and that's the reason for this large turnout. Our speaker is Jeff Puth, Director of Government Records Services at the New York State Archives. And you've already read his bio, but what I did not include there is that he is also a valued member of our MARA Program Advisory Committee. So uh, we're very eager to hear Jeff's thoughts on his career, and he's going to be giving some input into our program again in the spring. We've already tapped him in the fall. So I really appreciate him helping us with the program and speaking to you again tonight. And uh, right now, I'm going to turn the mic over to Jeff Hoos from the New York State Archives. Well, folks, though I might not be able to join you at the Pure Nightclub uh, this evening, let's, let's try to uh, look at my career a little bit. And think about it in this way. What it's going to look like today is a slideshow. This is an old-fashioned thing, which I'll explain to you some other day. But it's a slideshow. You're going to see a whole bunch of pictures from my life, because I thought it would be a little more interesting than looking at words on the screen. So this young guy there is about 18 years old, maybe, maybe 20. And what I was wondering at that point in my life was, what in the world would I do? And it was, a, it was an interesting thing. The only time in my entire life I ever went to a bar was with my parents uh, sometime around then. And I asked them, geez, what am I going to do with my life? And they said, it'll be OK. Strangely, with that little bit of advice, I was fine. But um, the way it was OK is that I had to find my own way. I had to find my own path just as the rest of you will have to find your own path. The other thing I want to say about this picture, because it interests me, is, um, and I thought about this only uh, tonight, I'm wearing about exactly the same things that guy's wearing, except for two changes, not as much hair, and I'm not wearing toe rings anymore. So let's move on. What I am is a person of books. I have, I have way too many degrees in English, two degrees in English, one a master's, two master's overall. And, um, and what I've been about is reading and writing my entire life. So here's a picture of me with a sort of um, monument to books that I found in an, an art exhibit uh, last year. So 
really, I kind of thought that that's uh, what my life would be like, and strangely it is, because writing is probably the most valuable skill I have, and reading is a, mo a most valuable skill, and those are the two things that you're going to use every single day of your working life, and so it helps me. But think about this, this guy trapped in, the, in this uh, library of books. I was a person who thought, well, I'm interested in books and literature, and so what I should do is I should work with literary manuscripts. <clears throat> and I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that I once actually did see a literary manuscript with my own eyes, but that's about it. That's the view of my, out my north window, so that looks uh, towards uh, state government. What I did was I finished library school and I decided what I'm going to do is be an archivist. And I never got to be an archivist, or I was sometimes, or I do it for part time. And I became a records manager. And a records manager seemed like to me that it was something that was going to be boring. But what I discovered was records management was about everything. It was about the entirety of the record. So I could look at the entire life cycle. I could do everything with records, and that it was a world and a life that was broad, that was interesting, that was useful. And it was also a world that was focused on service, focused on serving people. So here is one of the records management things that I end up doing. This is a shot in the New York State Records Center, which holds 235,000 cubic feet on two floors, one of them graded. We move in and out of that facility thousands of boxes of records every single month, back and forth, back and forth. And all of the things about running a record center are things that I thought I might never need. But those technical details now run my life. So we're always surprised by what, by what our life brings us, and we're surprised by what becomes important. When I, when I went into uh, records management, I was, I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and I thought, you know, I'm too old for the world. I'm too old for electronic records and this media that you see here in this picture here. But what I do now is I spend a lot of my time talking about electronic records. It's electronic records that's a real big focus of our lives. So even if you think there's something you can't do, if you think there's something you can never learn, you've got to be wrong. You've got to be wrong because you came into this, you come into this program that you're in right now in order to be a professional. And being a professional doesn't mean you know everything. All that it means is you know how to figure out everything and you know how to learn from the things that you do. So. That's, uh, that's one thing about my life. But here's the other thing, and this is a strange thing, and today is a really strange day. And it's not strange only because it took me six times as long to drive through the snow to work today. It's also strange because today was the deadline to send in grant applications for our huge grants program. Now what you see there is the way we used to do it. We would receive things by in paper, by mail, it would be a long, laborious process. 
But the way we do it now is we do everything electronically. So every single grant application that we will review now was in and accepted by us into our system by 5 o'clock today. And after 5 o'clock, nobody could do anything else into that system. But we run a huge grant system for local governments, a huge grants program that gives out more money in grants for archives and records management uh, projects than any other grants program currently in the world. And so everything's a surprise. I never imagined that I was going to be a grants administrator, that I was going to be an expert about uh, grants administration. But what you learn is that life is about surprises and opportunities, and you have to take the opportunities you get. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the view north out my window on a snowy day. And so what this symbolizes is that sometimes when I look, I don't see anything. The whole world is blank. I've lost sight of stuff. And it's because not every job is perfect. And you have to remember that. You have to keep this in mind when you think about jobs. You'll want to turn down a job because you don't think it's perfect. But what you need to know is that no job will ever be perfect. There will always be problems inside of them. And so you have to figure that out. But you have to figure out a job where you have enough joy in order to justify the pain that will have. And that means you have to find that kind of career for yourself. And it will be a career different from uh, your sisters, your brothers, the people that you grew up with. It will be one only for you. But if you're lucky, if you're really lucky, it will be an interesting one. By which I mean you might be able to one night in February uh, go into uh, go downtown in your city and see hundreds of boxes floating in the water. And really, the reason is that this is kind of interesting. You know, to, to go out there in the middle of the winter and try to help people with a problem. But the other thing is, you see the immensity of a problem. That you, can see. you see a problem that maybe you see more often than other people, and you can help them with. So we have to figure out a way to help these people with a pretty serious records disaster in the middle of the night on a February about six years ago. And we were able to do it because I'd had so much experience with disasters. In my life, I've been to dozens of records disasters. And so we have to learn from the life that we get, and we have to learn flexibility. Now. You probably don't recognize these uh, these fine uh, people right here who are in a tiny island right now in the St. Lawrence on the north end of New York, New York State. And what these are are actually serious people, but it's hard to tell right now. But that's why the picture is here. The two people uh, uh, holding the swords, the two captors, are actually uh, county clerks from New York State. And they're at a meeting that they're holding. And they've actually captured the, um, um, the driver for the commissioner of the Division of Motor Vehicles. But why do you have this picture? You have this picture because you have to remember that if life isn't fun at work, it's not going to be good enough. That you have to find a job that brings you some sort of happiness. 
And I think records management really can do that. It, it has for me. But the other thing this is about is relationships. In that in any career, what you're doing is you're building relationships. You're building relationships so you can do things better, so you can help people. And you're building relationships because you work together in order to get things done. And that's what relationships do for you. This is a favorite picture of Pat Franks out of all the pictures in this show. Um, and I'm not exactly sure why, but part of the, uh, part of the world of, um, of life, of, of working, is actually dealing with the humor of others, understanding the humor of others. And I kind of like this because it's coming from a records person in the local government, you know, on Halloween, but still with a sense of humor about records. Because what, what we're looking at is essentially uh, the past of records keeping right here. They have an, an old uh, record book opened up there with a pair of glasses in it, held open by a pirate skeleton. And over on the right-hand side, we have a, uh, a microfilm reader, not even a reader printer, just a reader. Old technologies that we don't, we don't use that as much anymore. But the interesting thing is, these people, through this joke, through this, this sense of humor, are telling us how they understand about the sort of shared air ethic of, of records that we have, the shared culture of records. They understand the meaningfulness of, of these, these objects in our lives. And those are people that you have um, relationships with, people that bring you some knowledge about, um, about their lives so that you can use them in your lives. So now I'm going to slow down a little bit and tell you about these people. Because their stories are just stand-ins for the stories of anybody. But it's something that you need to think about. These are colleagues of mine at the New York State Archives and at the far right, me as well, on a trip to, um, to um, Chicago. And so we'll look at the left, and I'll just tell you about a few of these people. That's Michael on the left there. Michael is a guy who was working in the Historical Society in uh, Onondaga County, which is in the middle of the state, Syracuse, um, and dealing with just very old paper records. And right now, the only thing that Michael works with is electronic records. He's one of our two electronic records architects. When I hired Michael, I said, you have two days start this job. I'm sorry, but that's what the state's done to me. And he took that opportunity. Two days notice, he quit one job and took a job with us and moved across the state and lived in my house for a week because I told him he could to make it easy for them in order to have this opportunity. So Michael is the most important story to tell on that page because he was the man who said, you know, maybe I'm not going to get this possibility again. I've got to take advantage of it, even if it seems a little crazy, even if it's a little um, disadvantageous of me to do what I have to do to do it. And I think he made the right decision. I think it's helped his career a lot. But people change their, their lives for all sorts of reasons. The next person is Anne-Marie Prisvilla. She came to the New York State Archives because she wanted to come back to New York State from, from Cleveland. 
Uh, Jennifer O'Neill, the next person there, she actually came out of the museum business. And so she worked in museums. And they have a different way about treating objects. And they see records as objects. And we had to train her out of that. But she's probably the best records manager I know. We have Catherine Stoller Peters there, who, who left uh, Texas to come work, work for us in the New York State Archives. These are a bunch of people taking opportunities in order to make their lives better and try to make careers for themselves that they might not otherwise have. That's the important thing you have to think about. And this is the, this is the major point that I always make when I talk to people about careers, which is some opportunities you only get one. You don't know what opportunity that is. And some opportunities seem bad, but they're really good. You don't necessarily know which those are. And so because of that, what you need to do is you need to make as much effort as you can to take risks. So that means sometimes you've got to move across the country in order to have a job. You can't just stay where you are. It means that you have to take a job where you think it's going to push you a little bit harder than you think because that's the way you get started with things. You should always imagine this. Let's talk about the next person here, Ray Lefevre. Ray Lefevre is a tall man in the middle. Ray Lefevre used to work in local government. So he came to us and he worked in, um, after working in local government for many years, doing records management, but he started giving advice on every realm of records management to hundreds of local governments. And there's no way that he came prepared for that job, because there's no way you can be prepared for that job. You have to learn it over time. And that's what you have to remember. You never have to remember it. You just have to be able to learn it. And those are some of the learnings from these few people on the computer. Now, here's the thing about, here's the thing about life. Life is never just about work. And work isn't just about making a paycheck. So if you read the words on the back of, behind these people here, you'll see a, a, couple of, a couple of words like digital over and over again. And what this group is is the group in the Society of American Archivists who's working on the, uh, their digital archival continuing education. So we're trying to develop training for people across the country on electronic records to design what that, that program of training should be. But what we do is we brought people from California, Pennsylvania, from New York, from North Carolina. We brought them together so that they can talk to each other and so that we can actually figure out how to do these things. And what's important about this? What's important is that there's no way to do this kind of work alone that if I had to think about this myself, it's amazing how few ideas I would have. But that when I was working with these four people, the numbers of, of ideas I had were huge. And so that's what you have to remember. You have to remember you've got to work with people in order to get anything done. And remember this. Connections are important. Connections to people are important. Those relationships are important. Because connections are what make a job a career. Connections to people, people knowing what you do, and knowing what you're capable of, 
is very important because it helps people understand uh, what you can do for them, what they can do for you, and more importantly, how you two can work together to get something done. So you always have to think about this. And that's, that's the important thing, that records management, I like to say, is only tangentially about the management of records. It's primarily about the management of people. You're trying to get people to do things, and you're trying to learn about people. The other thing is that these connections you have with people are going to teach you things. You're going to learn a lot more by working with a bunch of people that you've never met before than you are sitting alone in one room. And these connections are going to, going to make opportunities for you. That means the more people you know, the more people who can, there are who can tell you about a job, who can point you in the right direction, who can tell you some kind of training you need to learn, who can explain to you something you might have forgotten about records management that you have to keep in mind. So let's say bye to Manaz and Helen and David and Jackie and say hello to Kat. So this is the other part of my life. And I tell you about it because you're going to have another part of your life. If your entire life is your career, it's not going to be enough. Because a career, it gets you money, and it can be something you're passionate about. But there always has to be something else. And so think about that. You need to be able to be passionate about your, your, uh, your job. So if you're going to records management and you understand that records can have a dramatic effect on people's lives, records, things that they need in order to, to stay alive, to stay healthy, to keep their property, that records make it possible for humans to work together over time, that records help us remember things. If you can be passionate about that, then records management is a good job. And it also helps in records management if you're interested in order. But think about this. Records ended up to be a, a good a good decision for me, a good career choice. Because records are all about texts. They're about objects with information, mostly words written down on them. And these things are like texts. They're like they're like books. They're like short stories. They're like poems. And so I understand that. I understand these kinds of information objects, what I've dealt with my entire life. But some of the kinds of information objects I like to deal with are like this one that Kaz Maslanka set up in New York City for about a month last year. And I'll tell you that this is a strange thing. This is something he calls a do-deca-orthogonal space poem. And what it is is a visual poem that you can walk through and you can see how spaces Different, different objects have different meaning depending on where they are in space relationship to these, these signs that are, that are at the top and the back of this, this little thing. And so it's sort of a little area to contemplate. That you sit in there and you think about meaning and you think about the division of meaning into sections. And I like this, this piece to show you for records management because that piece is completely about order. 
It's about finding the order in things and finding the meaning in that order, which is something very important in records management. Here, ladies and gentlemen, is a very uh, strange thing, and it's merely evidence of, of my life, is that I, um, I, I'm not a writer in the sense that um, I write books that you, know, you see reviewed in the New York Times or something, but I, I am a writer. And I write a lot. And right there, however many boxes that is, about 22 boxes, something like that. What it is is the um, my archives, my manuscripts for four years of my life. And so I still collect them. It's that records invade my life, and records uh, and my life invades records that they are as if they are the same thing. So it's not as if I gave up the passion for the written word or the passion for poetry, uh, for records management. It's that there are two passions there. And I keep them both alive. And they're all together in one thing. And what this little, little thing shows you, this one picture shows you, which is a picture in the front hall of my house, is that all the parts of your life can come together in some way if you want them, which is that you can have a life that's about the person. This is my house. The, the life that's about the professional. That's, those, are, those are record storage cards. My records in perfect order inside of them. And you can have a life that's about whatever your personal passion is, whatever that is. In this case, poetry. But could be anything else. And here are some people, some dear friends of mine, some of whom I don't see very much anymore. So don't forget relationships. What these were were the people in 1993 who worked in the field offices for the New York State Archive. And so they, uh, they worked there since 1990, but they're good people. They're people who went out. They taught people about records management. They were good talkers. They were good advisors. They were good at making relationships. Relationships was their business. And they kept doing it. There is a picture of me in there, but you'll have to figure out which one it is. The hint is it's not one of the women. And here's the final, the final picture. And this picture is, um, is interesting because these are the same people, sort of. These are the people who provided field services to the New York State Archives and the people who were still there in 2001. But since this picture was taken, three of those people are gone. They're retired. We don't have them. Another might retire soon. Uh, there are six people in that picture that weren't in the last picture. And so everything changes. And you have to remember that everything changes, that people change, that your responsibilities at work will change, that your relationships change. And so one of the things you're going to have to learn in your career is flexibility. And now I'm going to tell you a short story, because it's, uh, it's really the encapsulated story of my career. And it's the story about how a career changes, because you have to be ready. So when I began work, 
Uh, I was a field person. I worked in the field doing archives. Uh, I would collect archival material, bring it back to an archive, process it. Then I became a records manager who went out and gave people advice. I was still in the field, but I was in the field in a different way. And the amount of knowledge I needed to have changed dramatically. And then I took over a training program. All I did was figure out how to design workshops, how to train people, and ran one of the bigger training programs for archives and records management in the country. And then I finally ended up just being a manager. All I am is a manager of people. So what I, did, what I like to tell people I do is I tell people what to tell people to do, but I don't do anything myself. And what this means is as your career changes, the work that you do will change, and you will become be doing less of what you were originally doing. So you got to remember, if you're a records manager, the records will always be there. They'll never live. They'll never leave. It'll always be the core of what you think about and what you do. But the problem is that the work you do will change dramatically so that you'll be working more on uh, writing reports about people or trying to hire people or things like that. So those are, um, those are a couple of thoughts about, um, about uh, my career how they might affect your career. Does anybody have any questions for Jeff? I have a question. How much has technology impacted um, your field? That is a good question. And let me, let me put it in, in terms that will make it pretty stark. When we began our grants program in 1990 at the New York State Archives, we really didn't have any provision for electronic records at all. We didn't really think about electronic records very much for the first few years. All that we gave grants for was essentially uh, to deal with paper records and to deal with microfilm. You could do anything with that, but that was pretty much it. Nowadays, our grants are probably 85% electronic records. Electronic records is the focus of our work. We have had to retrain all of our staff so that they know about electronic records over everything else. These are people who were experts with paper records, experts with microfilming, and they had to learn a new technology. And so it affects the field in a huge way. The other huge way it affects the field is that it the electronic world is not a stable world. It is ever-changing. Everybody knows this. But what this means is that if you're in records management, you are constantly in need of learning new things. When I give people training about electronic records, there are some things I tell them and I, say, and I tell them about it and I tell them, listen, this might not be true five years from now. Five years from now, you might have to have a different answer. So you constantly have to be learning. What this means in the world that we live in, the digital world, is that we constantly have to be learning. I have a question, and I, I hope you'll forgive my um, little bit of my ignorance here, but um, I noticed you keep saying records management um, and almost interchangeably with archives. And, um, you know, um, from what I've been reading, um, and I'm kind of new in the program, um, there are very different things. So I, I I'm, was a little bit confused um, by your reference to records management at, at the archives. Maybe you could um, clear that up for me a little bit. 
Okay, I'll try. I'll try, Angela. Here's the way. The, the New York State Archives, just, just because that might be part of the um, confusion, the New York State Archives has, as part of its mission, takes care of the archival records of state government, of, the, of New York State, of course. And so that's sort of a core mission of the archives. But in general, the archives does tons of other things. And so it makes sense. Here's the way that we look at records management from my world. We see records management as being the entire field of taking care of records, whatever it means. Taking care of electronic records, paper records, microfilm, taking care of permanent records, taking care of inactive records, taking care of security for records, that it covers everything. And so we, we see within the body of, of records management uh, one, one organ that's archives, and it can be an important organ depending on the place. So that's the way I look at it. And so I, um, I sometimes call myself an archivist because I'm trained as an archivist and I do archival work, and I sometimes don't. I sometimes just call myself a records manager. But I do see them, I do see them as different, but I see them as uh, intricately, intricately uh, sort of woven together. And in the, in the British, not the British, but the European tradition, it's very common to just see them as the same thing, that archives and records management are just different parts of the same thing. In our country, we really have divided it in a very uh, serious way between those people who are just focused on archives and those people who are just focused on records management. But I've never been one of those people. I've always been focused on both of them because I see records management as, as encompassing all of it. Yes, and um, I think that's um, also, I think Pat mentioned in the, um, uh, in the chat, that that's really the reason for the MARA program is that the whole basis behind it was that it's more of an integration of the two, that um, we all are record keepers. And some things are kept for a short amount of time, some things are kept for longer amounts of time, and some things are kept permanently. And those things that are kept permanently become archives. But um, especially now, I think, and Jeff can testify to that because he's working all with electronic records that, um, you know, it used to be that it was easy for archivists to be able to wait for things to come at the end to them. But um, it's not that way with electronic stuff. We have to get it at the beginning. Uh, actually, even before it's created in, in the design of those record-keeping systems. My question was about social connections. Uh, do you find that you are successful at maintaining them, and if so, by what method? Interesting. Social connections. I, in, in some way, I would say that every connection to a human being is a social connection. It's just sometimes more formal and sometimes less formal that you, are, you essentially need to connect to, to human beings as human beings, not as, as objects on a desk. And so it requires social interaction of some kind. But I would say that, um, that I, I tend to be very social in the field, which means that I'm, I'm very active in professional associations. Um, I mean, I've headed up organizations of archivists and organizations of records managers, and that those relationships help help in a lot of ways. They help 
a lot of times other people because other people know me and then they can they can get help from me in different ways. They can have me uh, uh, teach a class for them or write a letter of recommendation for them or something like that. And sometimes they help me when I'm trying to find somebody who can give us some advice on something. And so social connections are important, but it's important to, to keep in mind that you should never abuse them. So that means that you know, you're never making a friend or you're never learning about somebody in order to figure out how you can you know, uh, suck all the information out of their skull and leave them an empty husk. You're working with them and, and, and being with them because that's, that's interesting and because you learn something. And it just happens to be that it's going to help you out as well. Hi, um, what advice can you give us on uh, which classes you took in library school or which classes we should take that are most useful for records management? Oh, ladies and gentlemen, when I went to library school, the curriculum just wasn't strong enough. I mean, I had some, some very good uh, teachers, but the curriculum wasn't strong enough. What I, what I think you have as an advantage in the MARA program is that it's, it's so focused on archives and, and records management. Uh, when I went to school, what I went to school for was a Master of Library Science. And so I was really focused. I, I had to take general library courses. And then I had a couple of courses that, were, that talked about archives and records management. Um, I can tell you that, uh, that Bill Safety, who's a well-known writer and speaker in records management across the country, was one of my uh, professors. And he was uh, a sort of natural records manager. He was all about order. And so he, he provided some of the best training that I had because he provided all of the technical training, training about uh, electronic technology, training about micrographic technology. And he taught in a very schematic way. So he would divide everything up into different categories of information. And, and then he would go through them systematically so that you could learn things uh, very well. And so it was, a, it was a great way to learn, even though it was almost stilted in some way. What I'd say is two things, and they're just general things about the classes that you should take. You need to take um, a broad number of classes, a broad variety of classes. Don't just take one kind of class. Just don't focus uh, frantically on one thing. And the reason why you, you shouldn't is because there's always knowledge, more knowledge you're going to need. And so that knowledge is going to be stuck one place or another place. And so you need to get to the breadth of, of knowledge. But the other thing I would tell you is learn technical things. And I mean learn technical things better than I know them really learn technology because it is going to be in the future that we're going to have to be much more technical. I need to uh, have people at the New York State Records Center who can run fairly big information systems that track hundreds of thousands of boxes that we have. All totaled in our two storage facilities, we have almost 300,000 boxes. We need to know where each one of those is all the time. We need to be able to query the system and get answers. So learn technical things that are practical and hands-on. And that would be an important thing. And Pat, I should tell you, the last slide of my show is actually up right now. Though 
there, there are probably a few ending words that I can, I can say at the end of this. I think I'm back for a second here, and uh, I've been listening all the while, though, although could not talk. Thank you so much for a very interesting presentation, and thank you to all of the students who attended and asked questions. And I'm going to let you say your closing words, and then I will turn off our uh, recording. The final words are this. Um, I want to tell you something about my son. My son is uh, about to graduate from college and, and then go find a job. So, um, and I've had a lot of people talk to me very recently about um, looking for jobs and what looking for jobs is like, especially looking for jobs in, in what is not currently a good economy. So here's the, here's the thing that I, that I want to tell you, besides everything I said, which is, you know, look for opportunities, take opportunities that you think are going to stretch you even if you're nervous. Uh, don't give up the only chance you have sometimes. Besides all that, the real thing to be is positive and always working at it. So that means that you can't get uh, disappointed if you don't get a job right away because disappointment's not going to help you. The only thing that's going to help you is hard work. So you need to um, Make sure that everybody you know has told you about any jobs that they know about. You need to be looking online at online job postings uh, across the country, is what I like to say, across the country. Think about the possibility of, of moving to Alaska. It might be nice. And, uh, and don't, don't forget about doing some kind of work just out of hand. Think it through. The other thing is you've got to keep in mind that the first job you get might not be the perfect job because you need to get a job so you can start proving yourselves, so your, yourself. So you need to get a job where you can actually, you know, do something, get some practical experience, really learn something, and then when you try for your next job, you have that much more experience because what your career is, it's a process of building knowledge and building evidence of that knowledge so you can prove to people what you can do. So keep those things, things in, in mind um, and, um, and do, do what you can. Now somebody's saying it's easy for me to say because I live in New York. What does that mean? It, it, does that make it easy to get to Alaska? <laughs> No, see, uh, by the way, I probably wouldn't take a job in Alaska either, but what I'm saying is maybe if we'd, we'd gone to Alaska, we would have had an opportunity that would have changed our lives and given us more ability to have an interesting career than, than we thought. And by the way, you know, at least uh, Alaska doesn't get too hot too often. So, um, Pat, um, those are my, uh, those are my, few, my few thoughts. Um, oh, and there's one other thing I wanted to say, sorry, which is the other thing is sometimes when you get out of, out of uh, when you get out of school, you're going to have to take a job that doesn't really pay enough or sometimes you're even interning for a little bit more experience and a little bit more um, knowledge and do that. Don't, don't, don't think anything's beneath you because nothing's, be, nothing's beneath you. All you're trying to do is start your life. And so you're going to do whatever you need to to start your life. And the other thing, the final thing to tell you is that I say that things are about relationships because I think records management is about managing records. But the other thing that it's about 
is people. And it's about people in this sense, that we're there to serve them. So that records are valueless. They have no value at all unless somebody needs them. And so you're there to help people make their records valuable. And you're there to help solve their problems through records. And you need to think about that because service is a really honorable thing. It's really a good thing to do. And sometimes people think that it's bad. And you know, if you think you're in the service industry, people think, oh, you're not doing something important. But taking care of people and helping people is the most important thing you can do. So uh, good luck, everybody. For those of you in, in cohort one, congratulations on your upcoming uh, graduation in a few months. And good luck. Uh, Good luck out there in the real world. It's just like this world, except it's a little bit more expensive. Very true, and uh, very good job. Thank you so much, and thank you, everyone, for attending this evening.